welcome to our second podcast series. I'm excited to be back here. Pastor Jensen here with Staff Minister Werner uh, to really get to discuss more of from God's Word, have some more conversations about it. Our first podcast series was looking at 1 John and we went through chapter 3. Now we're really going to be starting part 2 as John has been continuing giving guidance, instructions to spiritual children. Part 2 is now I have more I want to tell you. And so we're going to continue on from there. We're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 6 for today. We read those words. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how we can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. John writes these words to his dear children, saying that there are many spirits out there. There are many spirits, and basically saying, test those spirits. Don't simply believe them. And so in order to do that, I think the first question we really have to ask ourselves are, what are these spirits? What different kinds are they? What do they look like? I think that when we look at the first verse, it helps us to understand what John is talking about. Um, I don't believe that we can look at this and say, well, they're, they're spirits, um, demons, or something like that that are flying around. But when he writes, because many false prophets have gone out into the world, we can see what he means by these spirits, um, talking about these false teachers that, that are in the world. Um, and I, I believe that's what he's identifying here for us, that the, these spirits are those um, false prophets, those false teachers that, that are in this world um, that are coming to and giving an example, not acknowledging Jesus is from God, um, helping us to understand, okay, this is, this is who they are. And so the false prophets, as you're saying here, okay, it's, these spirits are like the messages that they're proclaiming. That's what the spirit behind, I think, rightly identified. Yeah, we're not talking that these are demons. This is not talking about souls who've been separated from their bodies. But it is that spirit of falsehood, really. And so then to think, okay, we got false prophets out there. Um, there are many different, you know, messages regarding God. And maybe that's the first place where we start. What are some of those different kinds of messages about God, specifically about Jesus? I think that one of the ones that gets talked about here, that Jesus is not from God, we look at that phrase and, and we can see how dangerous that is, just throwing that out there, that Jesus is not God. Whoa, that, that really changes everything about him. And I think that at the same time, you see maybe some of the subtlety in, in these teachings, in these um, ways that these things are presented. That one starts out and it hits very much at a core teaching of Christianity to say, okay, if we don't believe that Jesus is God, what does that 
What does that mean for us? Um, and I, scripture answers that for us, I think, when it tells us that if Christ hadn't been raised, we're, our faith is futile. And I think that's kind of where we're left if Jesus isn't God, is in saying, well, then what does Jesus' death, resurrection mean for us? Not a whole lot. And when you look out there in the world, there are many of those messages. People, when you would say false prophecies, are people who are saying these things. There are many people who will say things, Lord Jesus, that they are not proclaiming him as God. Right. And I, I think that that's, we hear it uh, clearly identified here, but I think that there are more subtle ways that we're not always listening to or looking for. You know, and that's, I think, what I'd really like to dig into more because we can easily identify, okay, find other religions, whether it is, say it's Islam, whether it is Jehovah's Witness or Mormons that talk about Jesus, but they say something different about Jesus. They say he's not God. They say he was a good man. We say he was a prophet. They say he's example that we follow they say he's some he's higher than man but lesser than god we can find those out there but the subtle messages the subtle spirits what do those look like and i think even backtracking i think it's also of some note that at some of the the those other religions that we pointed to the fact that even they aren't willing to just shove jesus off and pretend he didn't exist but i think there's even some subtlety there that within Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons as prime, prime examples of masquerading and kind of trying to present like, oh yeah, we, we believe in Jesus, it's, it's the same as you do. But in further conversations, it becomes pretty apparent that, okay, with Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't believe that Jesus is God. With Mormons, another prophet, a God like you can hope to become. Um, and you look at that and it's blatant, but it's also this disguise to make it seem similar to others. Um, at the same time, when we look then at the landscape of Christianity, we can see a whole realm of differences too. Um, one that pops out in my mind, and I, I remember being told this as kind of as a child, uh, talking this through with my dad, um, you know, kind of joyfully coming home to him and kind of saying like, oh yeah, this person believes in Jesus. Um, and then not that he was necessarily pointing at this person and saying, no, they don't, but simply getting me to kind of change my mindset and to think, okay, but what else do they believe? Um, and this conversation, pretty quickly, one of the directions I think that this went was just in this idea of resurrection. Um, did Jesus bodily rise from the grave? So I think there's a one place that we look and we say, okay, this is something that we don't always even think about. And but, I think that ties right into what John's saying. He doesn't specifically mentioning here the resurrection, but it's Jesus Christ coming in the flesh, mm -hmm. taking on flesh, rising in the flesh too. And what a big, that's something that if we don't dig into that a little bit more, that you just hear someone say that, and we don't necessarily realize how valuable that wording is in our creeds. When we say he bodily rose from, from the dead, what does that mean? Why do we include that word bodily? Um, what is, why does that matter versus saying, as other churches would, that this is just a, a spiritual thing that takes place. I think that maybe I'm not expressing that as clearly as I could, but that's the basis, I think, of, of what they would say. But I mean, ultimately, it's we're testing the spirits because Jesus is not just spirit. Yeah, right, right. So I guess that, that question, why, why does that matter? Um, and I, I think that there's, there's a host of reasons. One, Scripture tells us, and we, we see a very clear testimony from the disciples that Okay, they, they touched him. They felt him. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it takes away from his divinity and his manhood. Christ doesn't just bring a spiritual resurrection. 
for not just from himself, but for us as well. It's a resurrection of body and soul. And I think there we can start to kind of unwind the impact that this has on so many other teachings. Because if it's not a bodily resurrection that Christ has, is ours a bodily resurrection that completely changes how we look at Judgment Day? And we can start to see how things and unravel. You, and you very can't have quickly. a bo- you can't have a bodily resurrection unless you cave in the flesh. Right. So you, we can start to see how these things. And there, unravel. I, there, I think we marvel. Okay, at this miracle of Christmas, this good news of Christmas that Christ came in the flesh. That's what we marvel, praise God for, at with the incarnation. Yeah, for sure. I think that we kind of we delve then into some of those intricacies, but I think there's so many of them. Um, we can talk about it in in terms of Lord's Supper, um, baptism. These are, I think, some of the other big areas that we see contention in Christianity America today. But I think then that that question that also always lingers then is, why does it matter? Um, to to ask, okay, so. The, this bodily thing that you guys just described, it doesn't really seem like that big of a deal to me. Hopefully we kind of help to illustrate a little bit of why it is. But same thing with baptism, thing, same thing with Lord's Supper. So my dear friend says that Jesus' body and blood aren't really present. Why does that matter? Um, and I think that that's kind of the important thing is to kind of highlight why, why does it matter. Yeah, and why does it matter? I mean, you know, at the, from the very outset, you're not taking Jesus at his word anymore. And so if you're not going to take Jesus at his word with this, well, what kind of confidence do you have with Jesus with his word and anything else? That, I mean, I think that's where you start. But then to look closely at the specific things that Jesus says and to recognize that it all is connected to him and the salvation that he gives. You attack one teaching, no matter how far away it may seem from our eternal life, you are attacking Christ and undermine salvation if you continue to carry it out through and that I think that very clearly tells us why then it's so important that we that we follow what the Bible says that we don't twist and also don't just allow to say like okay this this is fine it's pretty much the same thing there's not much of a difference and it doesn't change where we're going. Um, there's half truths baked into that statement, but at the same time we see that no we want to trust what God says. We want to take Jesus at His word. We don't want to twist it to our logic or to what the world around us is saying. And that's why you see John, as he's emphasizing here, I mean, he's telling, saying, test these spirits. Don't simply just believe whatever comes your way, but you need to test them. You know, one more path I want to maybe take us down here, too. We mentioned, you know, some of these spirits that come connected to religious groups, to people who proclaim that they have something from God, a message from God, or they believe in God. But what about the spirits that aren't necessarily directly connected to that? Because there are spirits all around us. And so when you when you say that, maybe just to clarify, um, I, like thinking about the, um, I guess the different, uh, if you want to call it like philosophy or ways that people live their lives, is that sort of where you're getting at with that? Yeah, or? and maybe that key off some of the words too, as far as what John says here in 4, I mean, he says they are from the world. And they speak from the viewpoint of the world. The world listened to them. I mean, and then I'm saying there's a spirit of the Antichrist, something against Christ, but they're from the world. The world listens to them. It's not necessarily always coming from someone that calls himself a church. And that, yeah, that's that's interesting too to see how those kind of, and I'll, I'll maybe. I'll talk about them maybe as lifestyles or as um, fads, maybe even in um, in how we live our lives. In how I think, depending on the groups that 
that we're in and around, we can feel those things in different ways. Uh, one of the big ones, I guess, that comes up in my mind recently, um, it seems like a, a trend, a little bit of a fad in our society to talk about minimalism. And it seems almost, you know, you can look at it and you can say there's good things. Um, I think the big uh, thing for people to, you know, empty things out of their houses and not want to deal with all these things. And we can match that up with our Christian faith. But at the same time, we can look at it and it can become an entirely new religion unto itself that if I have too much stuff, then that's just wrecking my life. And almost too, yeah, what, what these spiritual messages are coming with these lifestyles, what are they saying? And it's, to me, you know, think about that minimalistic, that's what will clear the stress out of your life. That's what will give you peace. Too much stuff is causing the stress and the hardship. You remove that. And now you will have peace. You have an earthly answer to a spiritual problem is kind of the, the way I think of that. Yeah, exactly that. Are there other ones that come to mind? Uh, I think different trends in fitness um, pop up. I think that there is, our culture right now is obsessed with, um, with being fit, uh, with being in shape. And I think um, the biggest one, the, uh, the Peloton bike is, is something that pops into my mind with this, with... And you think about the Peloton and you look at it and it's a significant um, investment of money. But if I get a Peloton, I'm going to get in these awesome fitness habits. It's going to be right there in my house. I'm going to be able to devote this time and I'm going to have people around me that can encourage me in spite of a pandemic. It sounds so good. It sounds like, okay, that's going to eliminate stress. It's going to eliminate um, my overeating, all these other problems. And the Peloton bike is going to really help me. That is all of a sudden, you know, you bring this earthly object in and this will solve the problems. And, you know, I think that ties right to, I mean, fresh right now, coming with Christmas, go with New Year's. Okay, you look, okay, what's going to give joy? What's going to, you know, revitalize your life, create some resolutions and change it? And there's so many things out there, you know, maybe to that question, what do these spirits, these messages look like? Well, they look like ads on TV. They look like television shows they look like the things you find on the internet they look like you know conversations we have with other people and i think that we can see the, the just how crafty the devil is in that i know for me if i hear another church or a representative from a church i'm much more quick to think of them as a spirit and much more um keen to to like hone in on their message and really like find out what's wrong with it. But if it's an ad, if it's something else, it it's sneakier. It's, it feels more okay because it's not this, it doesn't have that religious tab on it. You know, and I'm glad you brought in the devil there on that because I mean, as John writes too, I mean that this is the spirit of the Antichrist. The devil is working behind the Antichrist, behind everything to recognize, yeah, he is at work here. Even with these seemingly harmless things around us, seemingly harmless things we maybe incorporate in our lives. It's, well, the spirit. Not that the object in themselves necessarily bad, but the message. And I think that that, that is a, a key thing, like certainly not in this message pointing out and saying, oh, the Peloton bike, oh, minimalism, all these ideas are bad by themselves, but instead pointing out that, yes, they can become something that is a spirit, that is something that can detract from um, our faith. And that's, I think, why, you know, John's giving this encouragement to test the spirits, why we need to take to heart this encouragement because it is so subtle. It is so much just encompassing around us because as we do live in the world where this is all coming from the viewpoint of the world. With that, okay, recognizing other 
maybe some practical tips, some practical steps. Not that it's a set course you always follow these, but just to help keep in mind, okay, how do we do this on a regular basis? I think one of the questions that I like to ask myself with a number of these things is, what does life feel like? What does it look like if I don't have this thing? Um, and so this will kind of go on with, um, I, it can, you can use that for, I think, so many different things. But the general idea here is, okay, if I take time away from this idea, this thing, whatever it is, is it something that's beneficial? Um, and to do that, I think, is sometimes helpful in realizing that, okay, this really has been something that has been contaminating me, that has been um, negative, even though I've, like, adopted it and pulled it into myself, and I think I need this thing, I need to um, follow it. So I think always that question of, can I go without it for now, is, is helpful because it also establishes a pattern to say, okay, I'm going to eliminate it. No, I think that's a really good one, the fact to, if you remove it from your life, well, how tightly tied is your life to it? And really does your life need it to keep on going on? Or has it now, has your life been taken over by it? No, I think that's really good. One thought I had too is, you know, a lot of these subtle messages, you don't even realize them. And it's just even to, to try to say, I just heard something. What was, what was being told to me? What were they trying to convince me of? What was their real message? The real message usually for good advertising, good market isn't simply buy our product. It's trying to fill a need. What need are they trying to fill? And then the question really, okay, there with that, does that fill my need? And I think that that's, that's a great way to, to look at it too. And I, it, gets you to start to think about those things a little bit more. And especially, I think, when you ask that personal question of, does that fill my need? Um, it gets at looking where our needs are and what it is that we are longing for, what it is that we do need in our life. Um, and certainly, some of those things, they you very well could say, like, yeah, this is, this is a good thing for me to be involved in right now. Um, but certainly also when you're asking those questions, I think a lot of those questions also naturally bring us back to our faith and the wonderful answers that we find there. Uh, those spiritual truths of peace and forgiveness, of love from Christ, those are pretty big answers that can take care of a lot of those things. And I think maybe that's what's helpful with both of these kind of different angles on it is it does direct, okay, kind of to big picture questions. And so as to help, you know, take these tactics, maybe it helps to identify the Spirit's message. But then the next step always is, out, okay, compare. It's always going to be compare, well, what does God say in his word? And so whether it's, you know, I've removed something in my life, well, have I really lost something? Or has now my life been more focused on that? Okay, compare. Now what does God say about what should be at the heart of our life if we recognize that, you know, it was a big hit? Or if we, you know, stop and pause and what was the message? How does this fill my need? Well, does it fill my need? Where, where are my needs really filled? To go back to God's word and compare. Yeah, and I, I think that's, that's really neat. Um, this, this whole section, it, uh, it 
really kind of gets me back to um, a, a section of scripture where we just get this this praise heaped on um, people for digging into the word. Um, and it's it's the Berean people from Acts 17 when when they're told, you know, they're they're praised for going back into the word. And I think that that approach that you just shared is something that leads to that Berean approach, which is to go back to that word of God um, and to see do these things, does my lifestyle match up to what the Word of God is saying? And it brings us back to, to that source of truth that we do have in our life. One other thing that it comes when testing spirits and recognizing spirits, John brings up is also recognizing the Spirit of God. We've been talking about all these other spirits, spirits that come from false prophets, but what about the Spirit of God? How do we recognize the Spirit of God? Are there examples where we can see the Spirit of God in our lives? A think that there are just countless examples of, of being able to see that that spirit of God alive. Um, and I guess I, I think more of it just in terms of being surrounded by, by Christian people. And it's a lot of fun to get a chance to interact with a congregation of believers and to get a chance to see that spirit of God at work. Um, a really great example of that is some of the homebound visits that I get to make. And with those visits, lots of times the people that I visit feel very isolated, uh, whether it's during COVID or not. And they feel isolated because they are in their homes or they're in a care facility and they have this idea that the church has almost forgot about them. Recently at, at someone's house, um, her husband had passed away and she just could not believe how many cards she had received from these people at church that she had thought had kind of forgotten about her. And it's so fun because I don't know all these different connections that people have. But when you find out about them, it's just marveling at that. When they say, oh yeah, this person visited me. This person was thinking of me and they brought me a Forward in Christ magazine. And to see those people that have that spiritual gift of comfort, um, that spiritual gift of just being able to care so much for a person and to be able to express that care. And it's something that I'm so thankful for because you see that with these communications, these cards, and all these things that I have no idea that they're going on. But yet I look at that and I say, this is because of your faith that you can have so much care and love in your life to show this to all these other people on top of your own family. Um, that's one way, one, just one example of, I think, some of the ways that we see that, that spirit of God alive in the people around us. Yeah, as they're, you know, expressing their care, their love. And, you know, I've seen it too as far as people asking about how, are, how is so-and-so doing? How is so they, They're on their hearts and minds, and they're praying for them too. Yeah. Just recognizing that way. Um, you see the Spirit of God, you know, every time we come to worship, what are we doing? We are lifted up. There's a Spirit of God at work. There it is, you know, as, you, as the children are learning in their classrooms, they're singing. The Spirit of God at work. Sometimes we just take it for granted. But recognize it. You recognize it confessing Jesus Christ. Yeah. There it is. And I, one of the ones that you brought up that I think is just super special too is, again, another privilege to be able to uh, teach primarily to our fifth and sixth graders here in school. But sometimes it honestly takes your breath away to hear the depth of the answers that they are able to give. And you just... You just have to marvel at the Spirit of God working in their hearts because there is just so much spiritual maturity that exists behind those answers. And it, it just really brings to life those words from Scripture that, that tell us that, you know, the only way that we learn these spiritual truths, that we grasp them, is through the Holy Spirit working in our hearts. And you look at that and you 
from an earthly sense, you would say, how can a 11 and 12 year old have that spiritual maturity? And the answer is because the spirit of God is, is working in their hearts. And it's something that is just a pleasure to get to see that right now in 2020, uh, where, you know, you sometimes you, you question, I think that that question comes out when you don't get to be there and see um, that word of God working in the hearts of our, our young people. That maybe, you know, takes another point as we recognize how the Spirit of God is at work. We, you know, t- take some time to really, you know, look around us because there it is. There it is to recognize He also is working through us. And to think, well, what kind of ways is God, Spirit of God working through us? Well, now we've started to see it around us. What about our own life? And I think, I kind of think to the... Um... To Matthew 25, just talking about Judgment Day and thinking about a lot of those things that in my mind seem to, we're not even necessarily aware that they're going on. Um, and I, I guess I point to Jesus' words when when he points out to, to those believers and he, he says, you know, I was hungry and you fed me. And the people say, when did we see you hungry and feed you? And I think that in our own lives, I, I guess I tend to think of, of that happening where these things are happening, these encouragements, this proclamation of the gospel is happening in a way that we don't always realize. And that's now not to say, okay, now we should put all our attention on it. But sometimes it's all we almost put the attention on, we need to do these things. Well, reckon, look, the Spirit of God is working through these things. Praise Him for that. Right. Thank Him for, you know, as we lift up, our hearts in prayer. That's a spirit of God at work. And that that is something that it's so easy to just, and we'll get into these, I think, a little bit in some of our later episodes, but to just think about how there are things that um, at times can feel like um, we're just going through the motions and we can be looking for, for new things. But this is kind of just that reminder that no, the, these are special things. These are things that are special, not because of church traditions or anything like that, but they are special because God has given these things power. And the power of God is at work. We've been looking at recognizing as John leads us to direct, where do we go from here? We recognize now what? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's that's an awesome thing to, to be thinking and pushing forward to is what's what's next. And maybe, too, even what do John's words help? What kind of response do we have? You know, the words I kind of key in there is that he says um, that you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You know, you look at all all these spirits, these spirits of falsehood out there. The response now isn't, okay, we should be worried, we should be afraid. The response here is you overcome. Yeah, I think that that verse is one to, to underline and highlight a bunch of times in your Bible because it, it really is that thing that helps us to see that we are not living in fear, but rather to see that that this has happened. It's, it's overcome. Jesus has defeated these things. Um, and that fear and that doubt that we can cower in is not something that, that we need to have in our lives because Jesus has, has overcome them. And, you know, maybe another response to thinking as we move forward with this, recognizing, you know, John says that there are those who won't listen to it, to the message of the Spirit of God. They're, he says they're not from God. But he also says there are those who do. There are those who listen. And he says in connection that we are from God, whoever knows God listens to us. As we say, the Spirit of God through us, okay, to, you know, be that instrument of the Spirit. And maybe it starts with first realizing, oh, yeah, we are. First, not only just acknowledging it, but then also praising God and, Okay, and say, God, use me. 
God use me. Maybe that's some thoughts to take home as we keep considering this throughout our lives throughout the week of what ways does God use me to bring the Spirit of God to others and to maybe not even supposed to try to look for something new but simply to appreciate and take note of the ones he does and then at the same time you know as God says test the spirits maybe also then take note of the other messages around us as well to maybe remove something from our life and see, okay, what message was that said? What message was that sending? What message was I latching onto? Or maybe it's, you know, pause and just you hear something. What's really being said here? What does God's word say? Some thoughts for us to keep considering. Excellent. With uh, with that thought, we'll we'll wrap up um, our first episode of season two. And we'll continue to be putting these out weekly. Uh, look forward to tuning in and continuing the conversation with you. 